Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Heartway. (laughs) Happy uh, belated Thanksgiving. Everybody's smiling a little bigger today. I relate to that. I got my mac and cheese filled too, so. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) You know, um, something I was thinking about today, I'm a lover of language. And I love to conceptualize and think about the meanings we attribute to the words we say on a daily basis. So many of these words we take for granted, one of which, The most important of which is love. And we think about the way we language around the word love. I love you. Why don't you act like you love me? Do I love myself? And something we can notice here is that by speaking about love in that way, we're actually creating a false premise. We're making it sound as if love is an exchangeable commodity, as opposed to being what it really is, which the spiritual teacher Krishnamurti said, it is a quality of being. And if I can just eliminate the formality in this moment, literally forgive me, I promise I'm not important, (laughs) I promise. (laughs) If we can just think about this concept that love this thing that we all really want, this thing we all really crave to experience on a daily basis, this thing that we feel is absent when we're experiencing pain, this thing that we crave when we look at others and we want them to affirm us, we're saying, I want love. When we understand that it's not a commodity, but it is my state of being that when I am embodying love, I am like the cup that runneth over. I am absent from need. And when I'm absent from need, I am powerful. That's why God, we say God is all love. That means he's all power. He's all power and no need. God doesn't need anything from us. He don't even need you to praise him. He gives us the opportunity to praise him for us. Love is powerful. But how do we be it? How do we embody love so that we can feel loved? So that we can feel safe? So that we can feel like life is truly worth living? And the way that we embody love is by transcending opposition, transcending enemies, 
and other and fear. And we start to do that in a space of intimacy by being willing to get alone with just ourselves and God. Because I don't need to fear when it's just me. I don't have any responsibilities when it's just me and God. And so just know that the purpose of centering prayer is that it is a beloved opportunity to experience and practice the state of love. And so with that being said, just relax right now. If you find it suitable to close your eyes, then I welcome you to do so. And notice that you don't have to try to breathe. Breathing is happening autonomously. Just observe that breath happening. observation to your breath, naturally your breath will deepen. As your focus upon it deepens, your breath will deepen. Slowly deepening your inhale, feeling the comfort and warmth of inhalation filling your lungs. As the blissful exhale carries away all heaviness. Observe it. Observe how easily it happens. What a relief to experience something that feels easy. just want things to be easy. Feel the ease of your breath. There's no responsibilities here. Allow yourself to touch nothing, to 
who identify with nothing. Just watch your breath. You may notice thoughts or sensations. Don't be frightened by your own entertainment. Your mind is your servant, not your master. So the thoughts it provides are just jesters. They're just jesters in the kingdom of your awareness right now. Feel your muscles loosening. Your shoulders slumping just a little more. Your hips loosening. Stress is leaving your fingers. Like a subtle wind is pulling away the tension from every fiber of your body. It's okay. You're in a safe place. It's just you here. It's okay to be vulnerable. You're doing beautifully. You're feeling relaxed. You're feeling easy. And it feels effortless. This is grace. Know that this is grace. comfort, this peace that strengthens with every inhale and exhale. Is the peace that Jesus said is the peace that surpasses all understanding. Allow the love of God to disintegrate your logic, your stories, your identity. yourself fully fall into his arms.
as one church body. Let us breathe in the comfort of this space. Floating on a gentle cloud that is ever so slowly descending to the ground. Ever so slowly, ever so gently. is bringing you back to earth. And before it goes, it leaves you with a reminder. I am always with you. I am a metaphor for the love of God and the peace that he has bestowed upon you access. You can always access me. Just come back here whenever you choose to. The cloud dissipates as it rests you on the soft grass of the earth. slowly feel the sensation enter back into your body through the fingertips up through the forearms tingling your shoulders warming your torso revitalizing your legs may open. We love you and we thank you Hartway. Thank you. All right everybody. Well, I'm very excited today because you get to hear from somebody very near and dear to my heart. Ever since we started Hartway, I have had zero desire to do this thing alone. 
And my constant prayer has been for God to send us people that can bring their gifting and their leadership and their influence to enable us and empower us to continue doing what we're doing, which is just kind of facilitate a space for God to do what only God can do, which is change the human heart and open the human heart and clear the human mind. And so we have wonderful people. And one of those today, you're going to get to hear from, I'm not going to belabor this process. She is our resident yogi. So please give it up for Miss Gabby Huerta. Welcome, everyone. Hello, happy Thanksgiving week. This is very different for me because I normally get to close my eyes when I speak of here, and that's honestly the only reason I took the job. Was <laughs> Yes, but I am so blessed to be you all's resident yogi. It's honestly one of my greatest honors to be able to share a part of myself with this community. This community has served me in so many ways. And I'm very proud to be here today to be able to share how, who I was before Heartway and how Heartway has truly changed my life. It has, for many years now, I have been truly unpacking all of my traumas. And it really has not been easy, but it has genuinely been very rewarding. Gratitude is something that I practice on a daily basis. It's what grounds me. It's what keeps me centered. I know that a lot of people are afraid of their past or they don't want to remember their past. And there's a difference between attaching or identifying with your past. And then there's just remembering what you've been through so that you can appreciate where you're standing today. And that's what gratitude for me is. That's how I feel this immense gratitude where I'm driving and I see a sunset and tears fill up my eyes because I'm grateful for that moment. I remember days where I couldn't even appreciate a sunset or I couldn't appreciate the sunrise because I was probably still out partying. So I hadn't made it home yet. But gratitude is genuinely what keeps me together. No matter where we are on this journey, we all started somewhere, but we tend to forget, don't we? We get lost in the day to day. We're too focused on the future to feel what we have experienced in the past, which doesn't allow us to really feel the gratitude of today. I believe that God speaks to me through people, through the interactions and through the stories that we share. It has taken me five years to publicly speak about my story outside of my sacred women's retreats. It's the only place I've ever spoken about it to people. As I prepared to speak up here, I went through all the reasons why I didn't want to do it, <laughs> why I didn't have to do it, why I didn't have to share that part, right? It's there. But the one word that didn't come to mind was shame. And then I knew, okay, it's time. I'm no longer ashamed of my past. And now it's time that I share it. 
So between the ages of 18 and 23, I would say my life was a bit of a blur. And like most people my age was lost. I didn't know who I was or who I wanted to be. My mother and my grandparents, um, we were, I was raised uh, Catholic, and prayer is a huge part of my family. So I was explained that there was a God, but God only knew. God knew me, but I only knew of a God. So you know how we follow people on our social media and we think we know them, but we really don't know them, right? But we follow all of their things, but we don't have a relationship with them, right? That's how it was with me and God. God knew me, but I had yet to develop that relationship with God. So I could not develop a relationship with myself. I didn't know who I was. The party life soon became my favorite way to numb it all away. It felt as if I was being seen in some way. I was somehow important because I never waited in any line. There was always a VIP table waiting for me. So my ego created this false illusion that I was somehow important. But then that's where my value was. That's where my worth was. Not who I truly was at my core. I quickly, became to, I quickly became to date men who reflected who I was portraying to be. I dated men who were deceitful, who were abusive, who definitely had never experienced love. So how could they show me love? I then entered an abusive relationship with myself. I self-sabotaged. I doubted myself, my worth, my own integrity. I did not know how to show myself love, security, or peace. This story isn't about what other people did to me. It's about what I attracted to myself. If we can't take accountability for the actions and choices we have made, it's going to be so difficult to heal. I almost want to say it's going to be impossible. Because if you want to heal, you need to take ownership of your own story. Don't allow others to have ownership over what you have experienced. Only you can release yourself from the suffering. And this may be a hard pill to swallow, as Danny would say. But you may never get that I'm sorry. You may never get that closure that you want. But should you stop your healing because someone hasn't chosen to heal. Do not depend your healing on someone else. That's why accountability and ownership is the first step, the most important step. I didn't understand then if I could only sit with myself and consciously breathe that somehow I would hear God. Now, I don't want to give you false illusions that God has spoken to me in human terms, because he has not. Not in ways that the mind can conceptualize. But if you can move away from the mind, go beyond that and open up, then yes, God speaks to me and us every day. The question is, do you want to hear him? At the age of 23, my father came into my room while I was living the high life in Miami, my best life, I thought. <laughs> and 
This was a very difficult time in our lives. Uh, pretty much everything was going down. For me, I was slowly spiraling, spiraling down, and I have incredible parents. I'm so grateful that they're here today, that they have always been so supportive of me, even through all of the pain that I caused them. And as I was spiraling down, my father came into my room, and he looked me in the eyes and then, walk, and then looked away. And with this ego, I'm like, what? What do you want to say to me? And he's like, I don't recognize you. I don't see my own daughter. Do you? Can you look at yourself in the mirror and see the little girl that we love? No, I couldn't. But I would never admit that to anyone else because if I did, I would sink into the black hole of my emotions. And then what would I do? What if I couldn't get out? Who would help me then? So I continued to numb myself. Later that month, I found myself in the Miami Federal Penitentiary. As the judge slammed his gavel and the guard handcuffed me, I looked at my parents. And all I saw was fear in their eyes. They couldn't help their little girl anymore. I share my story in this way so that you can see where my mind was. It makes it seem as if from one moment to the next, I was locked up. But no, it started with choices that I made when I was 19 that led me to this very moment. It began with disconnection from myself, from my light, from God. It continued with me numbing all of my dark moments instead of dealing with them, instead of actually experiencing and working through all of the pain and all of the hurt. When our focus is only to hide our shame and our disappointment, there's no way that God can shine through us. My first phone call with my parents was, as you can imagine, very emotional. My mother was hysterical. She could just not wrap her mind around the fact that this was happening to her little girl, to her perfect child. My father, on the other hand, was very calm and at ease. I believe that he felt like, finally, she's safe. Like, finally, she can't do anything else. So this is the best place she can be. And I know that sounds crazy, but that's how it felt. The only way that I can describe my state of being was surrender. I don't know how I've been blessed, maybe it was because of my parents, to be able to truly surrender in situations like this. I don't know how, but I knew something came over me like God was with me. Like this wasn't a punishment, but it was my biggest blessing. When I was indicted, so this was before I went to prison, I remember feeling as if my whole world was crumbling. My whole existence was falling. 
It was like these huge chunks of myself were just falling and falling and falling, and I was no one. I was this barren person, and I just couldn't hold on anymore. All of a sudden, this black hole inside of me grew larger and larger, and then overwhelmingly large. I started to wish for a do-over. You know when kids play games and you don't do well and you're like, all right, I just want a do-over? Well, that's what I wanted. I wanted a freaking do-over on life. I was like, let me start over. Let me just wash it all away and then I can begin again. But how could I start over? I dealt with this shame for over a year before I ever told my parents, before honestly I ever told anyone. I dealt with this internally for that long. I numbed my pain in many ways, and I began to enjoy the dark because when the sun came out and the sun shined on me, I felt unaccomplished. I felt alone. I felt empty. So the evenings became my playground, my time to escape reality. But you can only escape reality for so long before it hits you like a brick wall. When this brick wall hit me, I seriously contemplating taking my own life. I don't know if it was my own fear that stopped me from doing it, or if it was that I believed that somehow I could escape or get away from this. Or maybe it was this small inkling inside of me that knew that I was worthy, that knew that maybe I wasn't supposed to leave this earth, that I have purpose. You see, when we're down, we believe that God has forsaken us, that he has left us behind. But it is in those moments that God is standing right beside you, weeping with you. God intervenes all the time, but we choose not to see it. We distract ourselves from seeing it. I want you to imagine a black hole. A black hole is a dark abyss with a strong gravitational pull that doesn't allow light to escape it, not knowing where it may lead to. Now imagine yourself jumping in. Who would actually do it? <laughs> yes, I knew Talon would be the only one that would say he would do it. But Talon is fearless. Talon has experienced God. And you need to truly experience God to feel like you can jump into a black hole. Jumping into a black hole is what it feels like when you go deep within your emotions, when you go into your traumas, when you go into your pain, when you go into your suffering. It is the most terrifying thing you could ever do in your life. But it is the best thing that you could do in your life. What would life be like if you do not risk it all and confront 
all of that pain and suffering that you've been holding on to. If you can't control the darkest, if you can't confront the darkest parts of yourself, you won't be able to release the shame that you hold, which won't allow you to love. It won't allow you to love yourself. It won't allow you to love others because you really still haven't forgiven yourself. There are these sheets. Think of an actual sheet covering you. And they're covering us and we're having more sheets, more filters being put on us as we walk through life, as things happen to us, as we're told who we're supposed to be and who we're not supposed to be. On the path of spirituality, our job is to remove the sheets that are covering us so that we can see clearly. That is the unlearning. Releasing all that you've been programmed to believe about yourself, others, and life. So you can co-create life, manifesting all of your dreams, receiving abundance in every area of your life. But it begins with one choice. One choice to choose yourself. But not the, not the self that your ego has created yourself to be. The one that God created. Let's go to the first slide, the quote. So Marion Williamson, uh, you have a lot of time when you're locked up, right? <laughs> you got a lot of time. And I decided to read. I worked out too. I did a lot of different things, but I read, I read, and I read. And The Return to Love by Marionson Williamson came into my hands. And I want to read this quote to you that truly changed my life. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We are born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. This is why you should never take away someone's rock bottom. I know this sounds a little strange. Don't you want to save people? You don't want to let them fall, especially if they're your child or your loved one. You never want to see them in pain. But it is in our darkest moments and our deepest failures and regrets that we have an opportunity to make a switch within, to sink deep within that black hole of emotions and feel it all. Have you ever played that trust fall game with your friends where you turn around, you close your eyes and you fall back, but before you kind of look at them and you're like, nah, I don't trust you. I'm not, I don't know about this. <laughs> well, if you trust in the world to catch you, you may hit the ground. But if you trust in God, he will always catch you no matter how long you fall. I'm not sure if this is the right thing to say, 
But I put God to the test. I decided to take the leap to dive into the black hole. When anyone asks me to describe my rock bottom, my incarceration, I tell them that it was the biggest blessing that God could ever do for me. I realized during that time how special I actually was to God. I believe that in our pain, there is purpose, and God has purpose for us. He doesn't put us through anything without a particular purpose at hand. The problem is we don't have God's vision. God knows all. He sees it all. He's created it all. That's where your faith comes in. My faith was definitely tested inside. You begin to meet people of all walks of life. You meet people who this is their life. They're never getting out and they still experience joy. Then you meet people who say it wasn't their fault and it's never gonna be their fault. And then you meet very sad and tortured souls. I remember feeling superior in a way my mind had created this false identity that I really didn't belong there, but because I was, I was going to make the most of it. I was still holding on to, my mind was creating or protecting, I should say, this false identity, and I was holding on to it. As much as I thought I was really surrendering, there was still a part of me that was like, oh, I'm not that bad, I'm not there, but no, I was. I began to meditate multiple times a day. This is where I really found meditation. At first, it started with short periods of time like we do here with Centering Prayer. Then it became 40 minutes. Then it was all I did. I don't even know how long I would meditate for. Every day, they count us. So we're standing at our cell and there's a lot of women and they, the guard walks by and he counts each and every one of us multiple times a day. We're not allowed to look at the guard. We had to look down. And I remember that sometimes, just like in class, there's always that class clown, right? So there would be people who would make jokes or try to rile things up and I would get so annoyed. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you just stay in line, behave? Right? That's where, where my head was at. And then I had another shift. I started to see these people who annoyed me as children. I rubbed my eyes and I physically saw little girls. I saw their innocence. I no longer created a separation because they're children of God and I'm a child of God. So now I no longer lacked empathy and love for them because I saw myself in them. I describe meditation as the portal to all that you need to know. It's the best way that I have found to communicate with God. I know that sounds weird, communicating without words, but think about the person you trust most in life. The person that you know will always have your back no matter what you're going through. They don't have to say it. It's this unspoken knowing. You can have that with God. 
you can have that unspoken knowing that God will always be there for you. That's what meditation can give you. We normally went to bed around 10 p.m., I believe, and the lights would go out, and that was it. It was time to go to bed. I would read, and I would fall asleep. Now, most of you don't know me intimately, but my family and my boyfriend knows that when I knock out, I'm out like a light. Like there's no waking me up. I get my full eight hours of sleep. I'm very blessed. I know. Well, all of a sudden, I'm starting to wake up at 3 a.m. And I'm looking around at the time. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. And I would try to put myself back to sleep. But every day, this was about a few months in, I would wake up at three, between 3 to 5 a.m., right before 5 a.m. This is known as holy hour, as angels' hours, as God's hours. I didn't know what to do. I asked my mom, if you ask my mom anything or my grandmother anything, pray about it, honey. Just pray. God will answer you. So I did. I started to kneel. Now, I mentioned that I come from a Catholic family. And we kneel when we pray. This humbling kneeling, like really surrendering. So I got down. I would tell my bunkie, that's what we called them, hey, don't be afraid. I'm going to be down here praying. I thought that God wanted me to pray. God wanted me to listen. God wanted me to show up, to wake up, to make that commitment at 3 a.m., at 4 a.m., whatever time it was, and to sit and listen. This is when I received my most profound downloads. This is when God truly spoke to me. I know this may sound very wild to some of you, But this is when I heard God. This is when I knew my life was about to shift. Something in me was going to change. Can we share the picture that I have? I think it's the next slide. This is a picture of me there with my dad and my brother. I did not have the best relationship with my family. Um, definitely not what I have now. And my brother framed this picture. He still has this in his room. Because the Gabby that they were experiencing now was the Gabby that God created. This was the time now that I knew, when I say that I felt so special that God picked me up and put me away by myself, It was because he saved me from myself. He finally wanted to have me all to himself so that I could hear him, so that I could hear how loved I was, so that I could understand how much purpose I truly had. This photo means a lot to me because it was the beginning of the beautiful relationship that I have with my parents. I got to sit with them every other weekend. My dad would come. The other weekend, my mom would come, my mom and my brother, and we would sit for three, four hours. Back then, I didn't want to spend 10 minutes with them, let alone three hours. And we would sit, 
we would be, I was very excited about the vending machine food that I got to have. We would talk about what dessert, what ice cream I got to have. There was no diets there. I had it all. It was like a feast of vending machine food. But it was really a feast for my soul. I got to share with my parents everything that God was sharing with me. And in then, I was able to create this beautiful relationship with them. I saw how much my mom started to shift even her own perspective through what I was going through. She always knew God. She was a very, very faithful person. But now some of the principles that I was talking to her about made her think, maybe I need to deepen my own relationship with God in a different way. Surviving pain has saved me again and again. It saved me and in the process, it brought me back home to myself. Numbing was my main way of escaping reality, of what I was experiencing, finding ways to distract myself from myself, from my actual reality. You see, we believe that our actions are who we are, or that our thoughts are who we are, or that our wrongdoings, or even our good doings are who we are. But they're not. We're none of these. Who we are goes beyond the mind and into the, depths of I, into the depths of our soul. So I numbed myself with distractions of the world so that I didn't have to face God in the mirror. For that reflection is who I am. I don't say this in an egotistical way, but rather explaining that until I recognize that God was in me, that the entire universe, yes, literally the entire universe was in me, there was no way that I could comprehend who I truly was. When I was released, I knew that this was the path. I didn't know this was my path, but I knew that following God and finding a spiritual community was the first thing on my list to do. My mother and my stepfather, Brian, started living together while I was incarcerated and moved in to our home. And we're, we were like the Brady Bunch family. He has five kids. My mom has two. Two or three of them were living there at the time, and then my brother, and then I moved in. My angel, Sarah, is the one who brought me to Hartway. A few months after I came to Hartway, my sister passed away. I don't know why God gave her, gave me that amount of time to be with her, but it was divine. Sarah literally walked me into these doors, sat me down, introduced me to Danny, to Hartway. I knew the moment that I walked into Hartway that this was my home. It's that knowing God told me, sit your butt down. <laughs> this is it. Don't go anywhere else. And as I've shared in the past before during Centering Prayer, I used to sit in that corner over there and I would run out the minute that service was done. 
I swear Danny would look at me and I'm like, he knows. He knows I'm struggling. He knows I'm not trying to come back. But I kept coming back. I had to make a commitment with God, with myself, to be consistent. This doesn't happen overnight. This doesn't happen one day to the next, not in one yoga class, one church, one meeting. It's consistency, my friends. There's this quote from Gabby Bernstein. She was another one of my favorite authors. And in her book, she mentions that you shouldn't judge yourself or you, should, you shouldn't judge yourself about how many times you fall, how many times you fall off the wagon. But instead, you should measure yourself by how quickly you come back to God. I'm not standing here telling you that I'm perfect, that I have surpassed or I have conquered all of my darkness. But what I can tell you is that I come back real quick now. I do not forget. I know what God's done for me in my life. I know what God will do. And even when I have no idea what's going on, I continue to surrender. It's taken me this long because of shame. As much as I understood in my depth that it was a blessing what I went through, I wasn't sure how people would view me. This is like my scariest thing that I could ever do because I love how you all look at me now. I love the person I am now, but I'm not who I am today without honoring who I was yesterday. I mentioned earlier that I believe that I lacked self-worth. As I have reflected over these past few years, it wasn't that. Something in me knew that I was worthy, but I didn't know how to step into that power. That power is God's love, his embrace, his grace. That power is infinite. It doesn't start at a particular moment or ever end. It will always be there. We are the ones who have forgotten. This recognition is the return home, the return to our source, to the divine who is always guiding us, never forsaking us. This has become my sole mission in life. I want to wake up other individuals who, like me, have forgotten who they are, who God created them to be. My life has completely changed, but it would have never happened had I not surrendered to God. And when I say surrender, I mean on your knees, releasing it all, just letting go and really letting God. This is the only way I know that it works. It's hard. You have to face people that you've hurt. You have to face all the hurt you've done to yourself. But it's the only way. I think I had a lot more fun living in the dark. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But it was hard. 
It was very hard. I was ashamed, but now I stand here proud of all that I've gone through, all that I've become, and I couldn't be more grateful to God who has blessed me with the woman that I am today. I hope you two know that no matter where you are, you can also return home. Can we share the next picture, the next slide? So this is the return home. This is what I do now. I lead women's retreats. And I don't call them yoga retreats because people think of them as a physical aspect. Yoga is a way of life. It's coming back to God. It's coming back to yourself. It's understanding that you're not the things that you've done. It's not the things that you've said. It's not even the thoughts that pop up in your head every moment of the day. It's who you are at your soul, at your core. That's who you are. There's steps into getting to the return home. Taking ownership, accepting of where you are and where you have been. This is very important. We have to take ownership. You have to take responsibility. I'm not saying that people have not harmed you, but there's a reason that you are in certain situations. There's a reason that you had to experience certain things. It's hard to hear, but some of your most difficult times in your lives are your greatest blessings, but only if you shift your perspective, only if you accept that you're not a victim, it wasn't done to you. You can overcome. Surrender and trust. Let go and just let God. Stop trying to control everything. Stop trying to fix everything. Stop trying to forget everything. Dive in to the black hole full force so that you can overcome shame. Brene Brown puts it, we can't selectively numb our emotions. When we numb our dark, we also numb our light. Think about that. If you're always numbing your dark, that's where you live. That's where you're working from. That's what's fueling you instead of your light. Don't numb. Don't live in the dark. Dive into it. I challenge you to challenge God. God will show up so fast. All he wants you to do is let go. I want you to measure your growth by your own life, not by others. Understanding who you really are. Putting your whole attention and awareness now on self-discovery. Find out who you are. I'm not saying you got to go away like I did to do it. Learn from me. But sit with yourself. Sit with the uncomfortability that you feel. Sit, sit with the things you try to shoo away. Practice. Practice, practice, practice. Yoga is a way of life. That's my practice. Meditation. I step on my mat and I can repent all that I've done. I get to look at myself in the mirror and I forgive myself every day for everything that I've done. I'm blessed because one of my jobs is literally to sit and meditate with people. I get to practice yoga so I get to move my body. I get to move the energy that's stuck within me. 
I urge you to find your own practice. Find a way that you can find God so that you can start to find yourself. I'll leave you with this. Knowledge is only a rumor until it lives in your muscle. Meaning until we live it and integrate it, it won't be true. Don't just sit here and listen to us. Don't just say, oh, that makes sense. Put it into practice. If you doubt it, if you doubt what I'm saying, that's fine. Put it to the test. I dare you. Let me pray for you. God, I want to thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to share my story with all of these beautiful people. God, we are so blessed to be able to unite together, to share our energy, to feel your love in this room, to know that no matter what we are going through, you are always there. God, I ask you that you remove us from our minds, from our ego, and allow us to move from a place of love, to allow us to move from our soul. God, silence our minds so we can hear you. God, allow us to see you in others. Allow us to see you through our life. God, continue to show us the reflection of who we are. Continue to remind us of all the power we have inside, all the purpose that we have inside. God, we thank you. We love you. And we humbly, humbly praise you. In your name, amen. Thank you all so much. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I love you all. Thank you so, so much. If this was your first time here, please come back. I know I have family and friends that aren't from here. Watch us online. This place changed my life. I promise you, it can save your life too.